Hot Mess. Sponsored by Mason Hazen Curran, experts in renewable energy. Find out more on mhc.ie forward slash energy 22. I have the lunch. Do you want to take a coat? Every weekday morning, the school bus picks up my two kids from our front gate. The first at ten past seven, then an hour and a half later, George comes back for the second child. Okay. Have a good day. See you later. Now, apologies to all of the doctors, teachers, road engineers and civil servants whose work I rely on day to day, but it is the school bus that is hands down the single most impactful public service that we avail of in this house. Without it, we would be driving one child 15 kilometres and a half hour round trip in one direction and the other 22 kilometres and a 45 minute round trip in the opposite direction at the same time, twice a day. Thirteen thousand kilometres a year, which is also 433 grown-up hours behind the wheel of the car listening to a teenager's choice of radio. But the number that I am most interested in for this programme is the two tonnes of carbon those school runs would generate if we were commuting in petrol or diesel engine cars. It's the same as the carbon produced by flying Dublin-London 13 times, or eating 913 steaks, or drinking 2,000 litres of milk. And there are lots of other families' kids on the same bus making similar carbon savings. Around 10 or 11. How many of those would be brothers and sisters coming from the same house? Um, yeah, quite a few, most of them. First house up, there's the two boys. Yeah. There's actually, when we added it up, kids from nine different households on the bus to the national school and eight going to the secondary school. Then after that... Then it's uh, another boy. Okay, what year is he in? Now, on the way back into the house, I walk past the plug-in hybrid electric vehicle that I bought nearly three years ago. The government was happy to give me €600 Euro of a grant for the charger. But the truth is, I have saved that much on petrol in the first three months alone of owning this car. Should I, should anyone who is about to save a ton of money on petrol really be given a grant as well? So on the one hand, you have an underfunded school bus service which people are screaming for places on every September but can't get them because there aren't enough buses. And on the other hand, you have a generous grant which nobody who can afford an electric car probably really needs. Now, you know how often you meet a man in the pub who knows how to solve the health system or to win the war in Ukraine. Well, this is my moment to take a pet theory and see if it might actually work. What if we did a Robin Hood, took all of that subsidy money from electric vehicles and gave it to school buses? Could we make every day on Irish roads like those congestion-free months of July and August? (laughs) 
I'm Philip Boucher Hayes and this is Hot Mess. Is the solution to transport emissions already going round and round to school every day? Episode 17, The Wheels on the Bus. First stop, Broadstone Garage in Dublin. Inside that austere granite pile sitting on top of a hill overlooking Fibsborough, I met the woman in charge of the school bus fleet. Miriam Flynn, Chief Schools Officer with Bus Erin, so I have overall responsibility for the operation of the school transport scheme nationwide. Yes, the ceilings in that building are about as high as your average Greek temple, so please excuse the echo. I wanted to know from Miriam Flynn how many mummies and daddies the school bus scheme kept off the road every morning and evening. We have 144,000 children at present travelling on the school transport scheme morning and evening and that's an increase of uh, over 20% on the number we had travelling at this time last year. 144,000. What percentage of the total school going population is that? Using school transport, it's in the region of uh, 15% um, if we include the school population in Dublin. However, um, a lot of the children in Dublin obviously use other public transport modes. So if we take that percentage out, you're looking at approximately maybe 18%. Of course, there are brothers and sisters and siblings in the same car uh, from time to time or getting on the same bus. So have you any idea how many journeys 144,000 pupils would be if the school bus scheme didn't exist? We could be looking at over 51 million passenger journeys in a school year. So that's the quantity of uh, annual passenger journeys you're looking at. And I think even if you assume uh, that you may have two people travelling to school by car, you're still looking at very significant savings in the region of 24, 25 million plus passenger journeys um, saved per year as a result of the school transport scheme. Okay, so let's say 25 million for sake of argument. Over how many kilometres would the average be? Average post-primary pupil could be doing anything between 9 and 13, 14, 15 kilometres to school a day. Uh, because of the number of primary schools that exist around the country, the distances to primary school are less, so they're probably in the region of um, 5, 6 kilometres. How much does the scheme cost, Miriam? In uh, 2021, the total uh, cost of the scheme was in the region of £298 million. Now, I apologise for all these numbers on the radio, but my back-of-an-envelope calculation is that there are potentially 820,000 kids who could be put on buses every morning and evening. And even if by the time you subtract cyclists, walkers and cars with two or more kids, you might only get two-thirds of that number on buses, you would still be talking about taking a potential half a million car journeys off the road every day. Enough of the amateur hour stuff, though. I needed to take my unified theory of how to solve emissions from transport to somebody who could do a bit of PhD-level maths on it. Uh, I get to hear that a lot. Do you know what we should do? We should do this. This is the silver bullet, Brian. Um, uh, You're out of a job now. I figured it out. So that happens quite a bit. Once Trinity College Associate Professor Brian Caulfield, who researches transport emissions, was finished telling me to stay in my lane... He graciously conceded that my idea was a little more evolved than pub bore level crack pottery. There's definitely something in it. Um, You're not just humouring me now. No, 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 not at all. There's about a million kids that go to school every day uh, uh, in this country. So that's a million trips. So that's how I would look at it as a transport modeller. How do we get these trips and, and... 
one uh, million trips. Okay, how many kilometers? Do we have any idea? So, to a primary school, it's about one point five kilometers is the average, and then to secondary school, it's under four kilometers, uh, and that's the average. And that adds up to. So, when you add it all up together, it's under five million kilometers travelled, regardless of mode, um, uh, every day in this country to oh, a school. Oh my God! Okay, so let's just say for argument's sake that we're going to put two of those kids into each of those vehicles and maybe have it uh, what do we come out with so and then also if you take out those that walk and cycle and mm-hmm. currently use public transport it's about one million kilometers a day that are traveled by car to a school which is what in emissions allow me to confess that this was the point that i started to think that the nobel prize people should have my contact details just in case Irish journalist saves planet with global transport emissions solution. Sadly, though, the contribution from my grand plan was a bit more modest than that. So when you escalate that up to the full year uh, that the kids are in school, it's about 25,000 tonnes of CO2. Bravo, Philip. Your plan has reduced emissions from transport by less than a quarter of 1%. I hid my disappointment well, and Professor Caulfield was still politely encouraging. Success by a million cuts. That's how we're going to get there. And this seems to be one that's kind of low-hanging fruit, um, especially because there's a million of these kids moving every day. Um, And that's the... Maybe it's low-hanging fruit uh, that we should go after. So no need to put the champagne on ice just yet. But by a strange coincidence... At the same time that I was flogging my dead hobby horse, in Paris, in the offices of an influential think tank, they were putting the finishing touches to a report which was saying pretty much the same thing that I was. Or, well, that's how I read it anyway. A switch to electric cars is a cornerstone of the government's climate strategy for transport, but today's report says that just won't work. The Climate Change Advisory Council commissioned the OECD to redesign Ireland's transport system, and one of the main things they said was, electric vehicles are not the solution. Shared transportation, like school buses, is the way forward. The report is not about being anti-electric vehicle and the electrification of the vehicle fleet, but it's about making sure that the vehicle fleet doesn't kind of grow exponentially, that we look to use that to, to reduce car dependency. I got in touch with one of the lead authors of the report in Paris, Amy Aguilar Haber, to find out why they felt that Ireland can't just swap petrol engines for battery engines. It's about uh, how much cars are used. And we do see that Ireland ranks quite high with three out of four trips being done by car. And even when we look at trips that are shorter than two kilometres, which are quite short, 30% of them are being done by car. We actually have one of the lowest rates of car ownership in Europe, but we just use them for a lot more of our journeys than anyone else. Have a car? Sure, why would you get the bus? Ireland is car dependent and it has built car dependent systems. And uh, these systems make car use the most attractive mode by design. And because of this, and this is one of the the important messages in the report, 
these systems are not conducive to meeting ambitious climate goals, nor really solving other issues linked to health or equity or wider environmental goals. If reducing emissions from transport is the goal here, why are electric cars not necessarily the answer? Why are they possibly a bad thing? Well, I mean, I think for clarification, it's not that we are saying that electric cars per se are a bad thing. But I think what we argue in this report is that a future that continues to be based on private car use, even if there is an increasing shift towards cars being electric, is not a sustainable nor a desirable future. And I think to begin with, this is because tailpipe emissions or the emissions that actually are produced when a car is running are just a share of total emissions. I mean, cars also produce emissions that come from the production of the electricity they use, uh, also from the extraction of minerals and the transportation of the batteries. The problem is not just what we drive. It is that we drive so much. And in a car-dependent system, yes, we will be buying EVs, but we will also still be buying petrol and diesel cars when we'd be better off on the bus. It's really about what we think uh, about electrification and whether we're thinking about replacing cars or are we thinking about shifting to a different type of system where electrification is an important element, but the ecosystem in a way of vehicles looks quite different. Well, let's be clear about this, though. One of the things that is absolutely a consequence of the, the remedy or the analysis that you're providing is that car sales in this country need to decrease. They can't continue to expand or grow, no matter what kind of cars we're talking about. Yes, uh, I mean, I think that definitely what, what we're saying is that especially um, the way people move need to change. If we make all the cuts that we have promised to make, the world is still heading towards 2.8 degrees of extra warming by the time this year's junior infants class are at the end of their lives. 2.8 degrees warmer globe is not somewhere that anyone wants to live. So we definitely don't have the luxury of doing things at the pace that sectors like the motor industry would like us to. That's why the OECD says that we need to buy less cars. So after the break, I ask the Irish motor industry if they're ready yet to shut up shop. Hot Mess, sponsored by Mason Hayes and Curring, your energy and ESG legal experts in Ireland. Find out more on mhc.ie forward slash energy My plan to save the planet fell into the same trap that the government did three years ago. I thought that one million kilometres of school trips transferred from cars to buses would do it. They thought one million EVs would do it. We both fell victim to the one solution, silver bullet fallacy. But in my favour, I talked to Bus Aaron first. The government of the day in 2019 didn't think to ask the motor industry if they could actually supply a million EVs. We, we weren't consulted at all. It was a surprise to us. Did it make the figure meaningless, Brian? It, it's very hard to sell when the industry hasn't been consulted. 
Brian Cook is CEO of SIMI, the Motor Industry Lobbying Group. And while the government has clung to the 1 million EV target, the Controller and Auditor General, the government's independent bookkeeper, rubbished it recently. He said just half the target would be reached by 2030. Brian Cook's ambitions are a little higher, but still a long way short of what the government is insisting on. Uh, I think our estimates will be somewhere between 500 and 600,000 electric vehicles. So I think the controller and order general's uh, number may not be that far off. So what I really wanted to try and find out from Brian Cook was this. If the industry can't solve the problem for us by electrifying the entire car fleet, might we not be better off pulling the electric vehicle subsidies and putting them to use somewhere else? What it would do is it would increase the price of a new electric vehicle. So at basic economic level, that actually would dampen demand. And it's too soon to remove those supports at the moment. I hear what you're saying, but I also can't help wondering when the maths makes more sense than it has ever done with petrol being as expensive as it is, as it is to buy an electric vehicle. Why on earth the market needs any incentives or any supports whatsoever? The average new electric vehicle in Ireland after if it gets the grant is, is about 42,000 euro that's very expensive so it's that upfront cost is that people can't bridge that gap or they're not willing or they're not in a position to finance that purchase so okay, I what think research it's, it's, have you done to prove that point though Brian because my suspicion and this is entirely anecdotal it's not scientifically informed at all but my suspicion is that if somebody is thinking about spending 37000 they can afford to spend 42000 by just taking out a loan for a little bit more and that the grant is not ultimately going to be the deciding factor it's going to be the price of petrol and how much money they save well i i, I think for some people a grant is a factor you know 5000 euro is still is is still a lot of money philip and uh, you know for some people when you know when they're juggling they have a cost cost of living issue they're they're looking at what's staring them in the face for the next 12 months and while while the electric vehicle you know over its life will actually probably prove you know more cost effective than uh, than a traditional uh, fossil fuel vehicle you know you know businesses and families are looking at you know okay. what's going to happen them over the next 12 I, I months. hear you but 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 your supposition there is just as anecdotal and unscientifically formed as mine isn't it oh yeah it is i mean that that's what that's what we do that's we your do instinct that. that's your instinct oh Fair no it's more than our instincts because that's what we do hear back from retailers what we hear from from our retailer members at the moment is is that you know nearly everyone that comes in to buy a new car asks about an electric car which wouldn't have been the case two or three years ago Now, I suppose Brian Cook was never going to be the first motor industry lobbyist who would argue that grants to car buyers should be removed. But I was surprised that his arguments in favour of retaining them were as anecdotal as mine for removing them. How would he react to the idea of giving the car buyer grant to school buses instead? If I was to tell you that I could double, perhaps even treble the number of kids that we're able to put on the school bus scheme for the amount of money that's going to be put into electric vehicle grants in the course of the next couple of years. Why wouldn't we spend the money that way instead of giving it to wealthy people for electric vehicles? We can't put all our eggs on one basket. We do have a climate crisis. We are trying to do our best. And this is a relatively small amount of money for for a short period of time to try and, you know, try and help help us reduce our emissions uh, from driving. 
give it to the bosses by all means, just don't take it away from us. Perhaps because he's untroubled by the need to sell cars, Professor Brian Caulfield disagrees. I haven't seen any research done yet to see whether or not these prices are being kept artificially high because they know that there's this government subsidy coming. And would it be fair to say that the absence of the presence of a €5,000 grant is not going to be the deciding factor for most people buying an electric vehicle when they go to take out a car loan? When you look at the income brackets of the people that are buying them, um, they tend to be those that probably could afford them anyway. Might that money be better spent on providing free public transport for everyone, not just school kids? Yes, I would say 100 million would be better spent on public or active modes of transport um, than, you know, incentivising people in very wealthy parts of Ireland, which my research has shown, to own um, an EV or have it as their second car. Um, But... If I were um, Eamon Ryan and I had an extra 600 million euro a year, I wouldn't be spending it on free public transport. I would be ploughing it back into the network, making it better. Any of the research that I've done, I've seen others do in Ireland, the CSO have done, the NDA have done. People complain about frequency of service, reliability of service, uh, coverage, and they're much higher up the pecking order than the cost of public transport. Free rides for every rider, but nothing is totally free. After a city council committee approved eliminating fares on city buses, tonight we dig deeper into how the city would pick up the tab. Three years ago, Kansas City in Missouri abolished all bus fares. It's about the same size of place as Dublin. Passengers loved the move. $3 a day, $15 a week, 60 bucks a month, that adds up. This is that one time that we can affect more people's lives than most people get to do in a lifetime. The social benefits were huge. The climate benefits, though, negligible. Transport emissions were only reduced by one-fifth of one percent in Kansas City. People who already got the bus just got it more. But drivers were not being encouraged to leave the car at home because of the promise of a free fare. It seems that the erratic bus timetable would never be as convenient as their cars. Sound familiar? We, we have to understand that we all have this type of status quo bias where our status quo is just what we are accustomed to, right, every day. And we are always afraid a little bit of losing because of change. Amy Aguilar-Haber at the OECD suggests that it is going to take bold social experiments to get people to start thinking differently about cars, like how about banning them on some routes at school drop-off and pick-up hours? Programs where for certain time the the street space is used completely different can actually make people realize that, well, I normally consider that my kid shouldn't be biking to school because it's unsafe. But it's true that if we if we don't have the cars, then it's not unsafe, you know, and if we have the dedicated space, then I would be willing to. Amy was also a big fan of a communications piece the Swedish city of Malmo did. It was about people telling about their most ridiculous car trip. That's a nice idea. Yes, and, and it was funny because, you know, the I think the woman who, who ended up winning and, and they, would buy, uh, they would win a bike uh, was uh, someone who, who confessed that every day 
she would open her gate and just drive backwards <laughs> to the school of, of her kid to drop her off in the same street. Because the school was so close, it wasn't worth doing a three-point turn in the road to face the right way. Malmo City's idea was if we all own up together to how dumb our car dependence is, there will be a greater sense of camaraderie in making changes together. Jag skulle hämta ett paket på posten och så jag bor cirka tre minuter. The city of Malmo also gave Manfred Bacharach a prize for owning up to the day that he drove the three-minute walk to the post office because it was raining. Only to realise when there, there was no umbrella in the car and he was forced to park so far away from the post office that he and his package got drenched. I'm assured it's a lot funnier in the original Swedish. This is small, yes. Banning cars from outside schools is small, yes. Extending the school bus scheme is, I will admit regrettably, small. One million electric vehicles is not big enough as well. It just goes to show the reality of how badly adrift our climate targets are. And that means that there is no single silver bullet. It's likely that we will have to embrace all of the answers, implement all of the ideas to make the changes that are needed, because we will not be driving our way out of this problem. If you found this programme interesting, there are others available for download. Should we drill for our own gas or leave it in the ground? Why emissions from aviation are twice as bad as airlines will admit? Are we tying wind turbine developers up in knots? Hot Mess is available wherever you get your podcasts. Hot Mess, sponsored by Mason Hazen Curran, a powerhouse in legal advice in Ireland. Find out more on mhc.ie forward slash energy 22.